0: We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 4 as we finish our, our look into the letter to the church in Colossae. And as we turn to chapter 4 of Colossians, I'll release the children through grade 4 to the classes that are prepared for them. So kids through grade 4, you're free to go. And we're looking at Colossians chapter 4. I trust that you've been excited and encouraged as we've looked through this amazing letter in this summer when we've been in such a transition just to get back to the absolute basic of the timeless message of God to the early church the message of the gospel and the truth is even as we come to the table of communion the majority of the people in the world will never understand what this is all about they will never truly grasp why we would take a a small piece of bread and a cup of juice They, they will not understand that and for a large majority of those people it will be because they've never been told and as we look at this letter to the church in Colossae I believe as we close out this letter, Paul calls the church to consider carefully what they've learned and what they've heard and to consider carefully how they can be used to proclaim it throughout the world. Did you catch what what John and Jen said about Mongolia and the new believers there? That they were wrestling with what to do with this new faith. And they they were anxious to be discipled to learn more about it and to try to balance that between their families and their church family and this new faith that they've been given. That's the setting of this letter. Do you see that? It's the setting of this letter. And again, I'm going to say to you this book is relevant, it's the most relevant book that we have because it speaks timelessly to every one of our lives. And this church in Colossae was experiencing the same thing as that as that church that, that John and Jen are involved in in Mongolia, wrestling through, what do we do with the new faith? And so when this letter came from Paul, as I've told you before, they would have been excited to read it and to learn more about what is this faith that we have and what does it mean? And he did not disappoint. As the Holy Spirit inspired him and as the words flowed through him, through his mouth into his, into his scribe who wrote these things down. And then as the Holy Spirit preserved it for us, he did not disappoint. And we have great truths to hold on to. We've been through the letter. And we've looked at the truth of of all that God has revealed here. That the gospel's real, that the gospel changes lives, that the gospel changes our lives, changes your life, changed their life, and was being proclaimed all around the world. And that the truth of the gospel is that God, through Jesus Christ, is reconciling the world to himself All of the universe will be reconciled and will be brought back into the order that God had designed through Jesus Christ who's supreme over all things. And yet he steps into our lives and redeems us, what we just celebrated here. And because we recognize that and because we know that, God becomes the authority for our lives. And the truth of his word guides and leads us. And we we no longer depend on our experiences or or our traditions or our feelings. Even though those are real, our authority becomes God and his word. And that moves us into holy living. As we do everything we can to shed off those things that are the identifying characteristics of our old self and we put on those defining characteristics of our new self. Holy, spotless, Blameless and at peace with God. And that infiltrates its way into our households. And our families begin to look different because they've been impacted by the lives of holy people who live within them. And a world looks on and we become a beacon of the truth of the gospel. And as Paul closes this letter, he lets us see that because of the fact that, that the message is so vital, that the gospel is so important, that the mystery has been revealed to us so that we can proclaim it, that this is of such importance that we need to move out of isolation. Because the gospel is proclaimed by an in-community. The gospel is proclaimed by an in-community. And our big idea for today is that a follower of Christ should not serve in isolation. Should not serve in isolation. And we're looking at at Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through the end. Please follow along as I read it for you. Devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am been chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Titius will tell you the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister. a fellow servant in the Lord I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts he's coming with Onesimus our faithful and dear brother who's one of you they will tell you everything that's happening here my fellow prisoner Aristarchus he sends you his greetings as does Mark the cousin of Barnabas you've received instructions about him If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who's called justice, he also sends his greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature, And fully assured, I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those at Laodicea in Hierapolis. Our dear brother, dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see to it that it's read in the church of the Laodiceans and that in turn... You read the church from, uh, the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Wow. Now we look at that and we say, well, I just don't know what I'm supposed to gain from this. Tychius? Aristarchus? You know, I don't know these people. How does this relate to me? If I, if I don't know what this is about, how can I relate it to me? Remember that, that we read Scripture. And as we do this, we need to remember that, that this letter was written to a specific group of people at a specific time for a specific purpose. And interpretation allows us to gain that understanding of what that was, And as we do that, then we're able to apply it to our lives. And then as we apply it to our lives, it gives us opportunity to implement that. So interpretation is critical and important. And so as much as possible, we have to try to step back 2,000 years and understand what was happening here. And then the application comes. It's the exciting part about God's word, isn't it? So as we look at this and we see, I believe that Paul is telling us clearly here that a follower of Christ should not serve in isolation. And he's doing this from an example. He's being an example of this and revealing the truth of it. And the first thing he says is that we each need prayer. There are going to be five things that we're going to look at that are clear indicators of why we need to move out of isolation. Because listen, the gospel message is too important We need to be working together to have this go forward. And that means we need to move out of isolation. And that's what he's telling this beautiful young church. Devote yourselves to prayer. The very first thing that's needed is prayer. We each need prayer, and we each need to be praying. Devote yourselves to prayer. What is it that you're devoted to? What do you devote yourself to? What takes large segments of your time? And, and what takes the center of your, of your thought process? Are you, are you devoted to talking to God about the situations that are going on in the world? Are you devoted in that way? And, and he tells them, as you're devoted to prayer, verse 2, be watchful and thankful. Now, that theme of thankfulness, you'll remember it's got its, it's, got its, its message woven all the way through this letter. Remember to be thankful for the hope you have an absolute assurance that you're going to be with Jesus forever and live in that hope and be thankful for that. Because in this world, you're going to have trouble. But as you're thankful, you're devoted to prayer because you understand the battle that's happening here and and you understand that prayer is is what engages us in that battle. Being watchful. Being watchful carefully looking at other people in their lives and seeing where you can join in in prayer. Do you know where people are in their journeys? Listen, if we're going to move out of isolation, we need to understand where people are in their journeys so that we know how to pray for them, so we know how to jump into that. And we need to be watchful about what's happening in the, in the world around us, in the county around us. See, we had an opportunity to know what's going on in Mongolia we can now pray for Mongolia differently than we could have if we hadn't heard that report. We must move out of isolation if we're going to gain the prayer that's needed. David was in Kyrgyzstan and a brand, new, a brand new ministry is formed. Does that need any more prayer? Hello? You see, so as we're watchful, we understand that and know that each one of us have things like that in our lives. Devote yourselves to prayer. Verse 3, pray for us, Paul says pray for us too. Now remember, he's in prison. He's in prison. He's in prison because he was sharing the gospel. Because he was sharing the gospel, he got thrown in prison, and so he says, pray for us. Now you can imagine if you were in prison and you sent a prayer request out, your prayer request would be, pray that I get out of prison. Right? When? Ow. Right. See, but that's not Paul. Paul says, pray for us. And listen, I'm, I'm not saying he didn't want to get out of prison. I'm not saying he didn't want better food or whatever it is. We said, pray that God will open a door. Pray that God may open a door for our message. Paul understood, and we're going to look at this as we move into Philippians next week that he learned the secret of being content in any situation because wherever he was was an opportunity to share the gospel. So he said, pray that a door would open so that, he goes on, that I may proclaim the message clearly as I should. I think it's pretty significant that Paul, who wrote a large section of the New Testament and made the gospel message clear for us, asks that we would pray for him that it would become clear. If he needed prayer for the message to be clear, we do too. Um, That's right, Bonnie. Amen. Amen. And Paul learned that and knew that. And he was talking from that area of contentment. And he said... Pray that in the midst of whatever situation we're in, in this situation right now, that God in the midst of that would open a door so that we could proclaim the truth of his word. And then in verse 12 and 13, he talks about Epaphras. And he says he's wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you. See, that's what's so huge. This wrestling is hard work. It's where the battle is fought. And Epaphras didn't just plant this church and take off and never think about it again. Even though he wasn't there, he couldn't send a text message, he couldn't send a selfie, he couldn't do any of that, but he was still wrestling in prayer where the most effective things happen. S.D. Gordon, 1904, Quiet Talks on Prayer. The great people of the earth today are the people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor yet those who can explain about prayer, but I mean people who take time and pray. They have not the time. It must be taken from something else. This something else is important, very important and pressing, but still less important and less pressing than prayer. There are people that put prayer first and group other items in life schedule around and after prayer. These are the people today who are doing the most for God. In winning souls, solving problems, awakening churches, supplying both men and money for mission posts, keeping fresh and strong these lives far off in sacrificial service in the foreign field where the thickest fighting is going on, John and Jen shared how lonely they are. They're in isolation. Prayer brings us into their midst and encourages them. Prayer is keeping this old earth sweet a while longer. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. And just there is where we all seemed to make a slip at times. And many of us are yet making it, a bad slip. We think we can do more where we are through our service than prayer to give power to service. No, no. With the blackest underscoring of emphasis, let it be said, no, we can do no thing of real power until we have done the prayer thing. Powerful quote, isn't it? See, we need prayer and we need to be in prayer because the battle is fierce and the battle is for eternal souls. And Satan wants them in heaven and God, or in hell, and God wants them in heaven. And he's positioned us to battle with each other. Finally, in prayer, Paul says, Remember my chains. Remember my chains. And I believe he says that in that last verse. And it says he writes that in his own hand what would have happened he would have been he would have been dictating this letter and there were people who were scribes and they would have very neat handwriting and they would write very tight neat words so that these things could be read and then paul would take up the the pen at the end and write the way i do you know and he would add this and so that that last line is written in his own hand it says remember my chains grace be with you And remember how Paul talked about how the grace of God was sufficient. And he's telling, I believe he's telling the church in Colossae, listen, I know the struggle you're in. I've got chains on. I get it. This world hurts. Grace be with you. It doesn't change the fact that the gospel needs to go forward. So, am I working hard with my prayers, wrestling for others? Am I making my requests known to others? Am I asking for prayer to be bold and sharing my faith? Are we each asking and praying that each one of us may have doors of opportunity that open for us? What does this look like in our lives? So imagine you're in the Walmart, right? And and you're in the checkout line. And there's like 80 of you in the checkout line and three lines are open ever been there? That's called a door of opportunity. See, because you say to the person in front of you, you say, do you think all the checkout lines will be open in heaven? (laughs) Do you think that person had spiritual thoughts before you asked that question? (laughs) They were thinking about something, but you know, what are you thinking about? Because listen, you're an eternal soul and you've been entrusted with the eternal message that will set people free from the sin that has them held in bondage. And you've been entrusted with that. And how can you come up with ways, how can you look for doors of opportunity and how can instead of you seeing those as as things that are causing pain in your life, how can you see them as doors of opportunity to engage and enter into a conversation about Jesus Christ with someone who desperately needs to know the truth about it? And they say, what? Are there Walmarts in heaven? And you say, well, I hope so. <laughs> but Jesus is there. Do you know Jesus? How hard is it to get into conversation about Jesus? We can do this if we step out of isolation. Prayer's needed. Second thing, we need encouragement. All right. just experienced some encouragement there, didn't you? A little encouragement. You can do this. Go team. See, Paul has the same thing here. And we see it first in verse five. Be wise. Be wise in the way you're acting towards outsiders, towards non-Christian. Be wise about that. Come on, guys. Think about it. They need to know who Jesus is. How can you be wise about how you can express that? You need to have your homes in the right order. You need to have have your lives in the right order. Be wise how you live because there's an eternal thing that's needed here. Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Verse 6, And seasoned with salt. What? What does that mean? All right? How can you make this message relevant to the person you're talking to? The gospel message doesn't change, but the situation you're in may change how you present that. Be wise about it, be filled with grace, lead with mercy, tell the truth in love. See, oh man, somebody cuts you off in traffic, and you think, man, I wonder how I can pray for that person. They're clearly in a hurry. Wonder what's going on in their lives. See, if you, if you try to perceive what's happening, how God can use you in the situation you're in, and you begin to think of how can, I, how can I make this gospel presentation sweet for this person who needs to know what it means for them. Paul says in verse 8, he says he's sending Tychicus back to encourage them, the express purpose so that you can know about the circumstances and that will encourage your heart. See when you hear the reports of what God's doing in other lives, it will encourage you. That's why I come back at 6 30 tonight. Why, Rihanna? Right, guy? Come back at 6 30. Josh, is this going to be encouraging? Yeah? Look at them. It's obvious it's encouraging. Come back, be encouraged. Know that you're not alone in this. Verse 17. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you've been given in the Lord. Tell Archippus to complete the work you've been given. Now remember, this letter would have been read in the middle of a, uh, of a big room. They would have been waiting for this letter. It would have been read, and we come to this verse that says, tell Archippus to complete the work you've been given in the Lord. So it's like me standing up here and saying, all right, Steve Hess, complete the work you've been given in the Lord. And everybody looks at Steve Hess. Okay? And that's exactly what's supposed to happen. Okay? Here's Steve Hess. Complete the work you've been given to do in the Lord. See, you've been given something to do. And the idea is yes, everybody looks at him. Because this is how it happens. See, this, this is how it happens. We we are saved into community. We're not saved into isolation. We are saved in the community. And listen, Steve can't do that job if we're not there with him. The ministry he's been given to do, God's empowering him, but but he's brought us together to do that as well. And each one of us has something we've been given to do in community. Right, Mel? See, even if you sit in the back row of Overflow Two. You've been given a ministry in the Lord. You hide out in the prayer room. You've been given a ministry in the Lord. And you see, it's critical that we understand that this happens in community. See, sometimes we get that messed up on Sunday because you got the talking head up here in the front. But listen, I'm down here with you guys. You get that right? And the ministry God's given you to do is just as critical as the ministry He's given me to do. And we got to move out of isolation and do this together. It's good to see you guys. Where was I? I'm only on point two. It's all all good? Give me a couple extra minutes. All right, okay. All right, like 15 or just clarifying here? All right, if if you're at home, we're gonna go a little longer, okay? All right, amen, amen. Third point, we need comfort. This one's big, this one's big, 2 Corinthians 2 tells us, comfort each other with the comfort you've received. See, God's brought you through things, and He's brought you through things and brought comfort into your life so that you can bring comfort into other people's lives who are experiencing the same thing. But what's really special here, as we look at this in this letter to the Colossians, oh, it says here, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, I'm in verse 10. I should tell you that, okay? My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And Jesus, who's called Justice, sends his greeting. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. This is significant. You remember that Paul was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. That was the call that God put on his life. And he obeyed, and he listened, but you go back to Romans chapter 9, and right in the first verse, Paul says this, I speak the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. See, Paul has these these things in his heart that's burning. It's sorrow, it's anguish, and what is it? For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race. Paul saying, I wish I could trade in my salvation so that my brothers, the Jews, could be saved. He had this angst, this, this anguish in his heart for that. But God called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Imagine having this anguish in your heart for the Jews and being called by God to the Gentiles. But God is so amazing. He's so amazing. He brought three special friends into Paul's life who comforted him because he realized that while he was ministering to the Gentiles, there were other people that God was using to minister to the Jews, and that the Jews were coming to know Jesus as well. And Paul writes in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God for the salvation of those who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And so God brought three people into his life to bring him comfort, to know that as he maintained the course that he was on for his life, that God was accomplishing other things in the world. Listen, stay on course. Stay on the mission that God's brought into your life, and he will bring comfort to you in those areas that you anguish over. Fourth, we need to be companions. And here we see descriptions that Paul uses of these people who are partnered with him. And in that, he's showing that even he, this apostle who had been unbelievably anointed and empowered by God. Even he needed to move out of isolation. He needed prayer. He needed encouragement. He needed comfort. And he also needed companions. these companions in his life, notice the descriptors. A fellow prisoner. One who was right in prison with him. Tychius a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in, your, in the Lord? Who are the closest people in your life? Who are those that you are the absolute closest with? Are they dear brothers or sisters? Do they know Jesus well? Are they, are they dear, dear brother or sister? And listen, are they, are they a faithful minister of the gospel? Are you spurring one another on to be ministers of the gospel? And are are they fellow servants? Have they given themselves over totally to, to, to serving, serving the Lord? 1 Corinthians 15 tells us bad company corrupts good character. Listen, you could have a good start, wrap yourself around people who take you away and distract you from the mission that God has for your life. Can't let that happen. Who are your dear friends? And are your dear friends also faithful ministers and fellow servants? Because those are the ones to hold on to. Because we got to move out of isolation. The message is too important, and the opposition is too fierce. Finally, remember, we're taking a look at this idea that a follower of Christ cannot serve in isolation. Prayer, encouragement. Encouragement means speaking courage into. Comfort companionship and finally we need to remember we're part of something bigger the world does not revolve around me though many times I think and act as though it should we're part of something bigger isn't that, isn't that great we're part of what we're part of the Colossian church what started there and has grown and has spread We've become part of that. Listen, we can't serve in isolation. It's too critical and too important. John and Jen need to know that they're being supported. Come on. They're lonely. How hard is it to send a card? How hard is it to let them know that you're praying that those four people who came, who came to know the Lord will become 10 and that the 12 that are learning what it means, to, how hard is it to send a card to Dave and April and say, man... We're praying for you. How hard is it to, to find time to be in a prayer room, in a place where you go in and lock the door, Matthew 6, and you give yourself and devote yourself to prayer because we're part of something bigger. Amen? See see to it that this letter has been read to you and you read the one that's there because God's doing work outside of where you are. And you need to be aware of that. That's why this card is in your, in your bulletin. And why I don't have a copy of it, I have no idea. There it is. You have this card in your bulletin, right? Because we're joining with like 18 other churches in the area. This refresh movement that we've been working on. And starting next week, many of these churches are going to begin preaching through the letter to the church in Philippi. So that wherever you go to one of these churches, you'll be experiencing all the church in Walworth County as much as possible is going to be looking at the same part of God's word. How cool is that? You see, because we need to be united. We need to be united first of all in our love for God. Second law in our love for each other brothers and sisters, and then we need to be united in love for a world that's lost, ready to spread grace with salt into a world that desperately needs it. The challenge is too great, the opposition is too strong, the charge is too important, the message too vital, and the mandate is too clear for us to remain in isolation. Moving out of isolation involves risk and selflessness. But we can do this. And I've seen many of you doing it already. And I like it. But we can do better, right? God, move in our hearts, move in our lives. Overwhelm us with a passion. God, what if we had a passion for the lost that matched yours? Oh, help us encourage one another, comfort one another, pray for one another. Help us be good companions with each other. and Help us join in what you're doing all around the world. All for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.